0: Episode 151 of the Park Run Adventurers is here uh, for about, I reckon, the fifth or sixth time. Mel, I've got the fever again.
1: It's been a while since you've had the fever, Scotty.
0: <laughs> it's always a good fever. It's always a good fever. <laughs> um, but can you guess what my fever is this week?
1: This week? Ah, what are we? We're, we're sort of in March. Is it the end of daylight savings fever? Because I'm keen for that fever to take on.
0: Really? I'm keen for us to get in sync. I'm keen for the mornings to be light again. But no, it's not that fever.
1: Okay. Um, oh, there's so many possibilities. So many possibilities.
0: Yeah, for the sake of a short and sharp and snappy pod, I will fill in the gaps. Okay. I've got run west fever.
1: That was going to be my next, my next guess. You should have just let me go for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, this weekend, Run West, it's my first running event for a long time. And I'm, I'm trying an untraditional approach to it. What's the untraditional approach? Well, generally, when you enter a running event, there's training involved. You get excited. You, <laughs> you know, stick to a plan. You try and improve so you perform better on the day. I've gone the opposite.
1: You're, so you're, you've you've done you know months and months of taper and you're just trying to cram in your training to the last week
0: no not even doing that i'm I'm (laughs) on a i'm on a three-month taper
1: okay i'm feeling
0: fresh feeling great brought new shoes for the event okay i have no excuses
1: what kind of distance are you going to do
0: well, there's 4K options and there's a 12K option. When I entered this, so I got caught up in the hype. Remember when we launched Run West or when they launched Run West? They said that if park runners enter and tell them that they're park runners, we'll fund more events. So I got swept up in all that and I entered. Like I genuinely entered paid cash and got excited. And I also entered the 12K.
1: So you got ambitious.
0: Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, maybe a few regrets now. Like the 4K. <laughs> the 4K sounds like a great Sunday morning of fun. 12K is just that bridge too far at no. the moment. But but we'll see. We'll see.
1: You'll be right. Haven't you been doing all that, that training and stuff like that with your... Like aren't you a coach now?
0: I'm a coach and that's what coaches do. Coaches stand around In track suits and tell people what to do. And (laughs) I've been doing a bit of that. And people, (laughs) and I'll tell you what, so last week we did, a we, we tried a mile race on the track with the group and I was like a minute behind what I've, what I think I can usually do. And um, I was a bit shocked and disappointed on the night, and a few people, more than one, reminded me. Well, then you probably should have not been standing around telling us what to do. You probably should have been, been training, training with and, us. Training with us. <laughs>
1: yeah. Did you say I'm the coach? Do as I do. Do as I say, <laughs> not as I do.
0: Yeah, no, I just walked away from them. Started, had a conversation with somebody else. <laughs>
1: Well, you bought new shoes. Are you going to wear um, a new T-shirt so that you you have all the new apparel to chafe you
0: in the wrong places and have a malfunction with? This is another dilemma for me because we're going to be there in the parkrun way. We're going to be with fellow park runners. So should I be in my apricot that had a a misfortune with the washing machine in the UK a, a number of months ago? Mm. Should I be, should I wear the milestone shirt that is really tight and doesn't really fit me much anymore, or should I wear the Parkrun Adventurer's Christmas singlet? Uh,
1: I don't it's even a know. Run theme. I don't even know why this is a question, Scotty.
0: No, you're right. You're
1: right. Singlet all the way, right?
0: Yep. Yeah, yep. no, you're right. Good, good. Right. Good. I'm Solved glad that, that's maybe. resolved. <laughs>
1: yep. Run West Fever. Hey, well, good luck with all that.
0: On theme, because we've got a great interview coming up with a Run West ambassador, but we're doing things a bit differently for 151.
1: We are. Everything's us about. <laughs> well, I was going to say non-traditional, <laughs> but you know, if you want to bleep yourself out in the intro already, then go for it.
0: I think us about's okay.
1: <laughs> well, by doing things backwards or, or non-conventionally, we've actually got a, a couple of roving Reports, or at least we've got reports submitted by roving reporters who weren't actually roving. We do have one um, of the Steadfast Channel 5 News crew who is doing it the traditional way. Thank you very much, Melissa Ellis. Uh, but we have got, um, yeah, like I said, reports from Mark and from PK who has risen to the challenge. Actually, both their reports are about a bit of a challenge. This week, Scotty. So, um, yeah. And also, our guest interview, she's not actually a parkrunner. So, while normally we speak to the converted, those people who are massive fans of parkrun and what we do, we chose to speak to somebody this week who's never done a parkrun and tried to convert her instead.
0: Future parkrunner. Future.
1: Yes there 's a lot of promise there, or at least a lot of promises
0: so we're going to we 're going to throw it over to PK he does the, um, he does an intro for us, so take it away PK
2: uh, the story you 're about to hear is true. The names have not been changed because everyone 's innocent. Well, I am anyway. G'day, a uh, excellent park run adventurers it 's PK. Paul Kitching uh, checking in, uh, not for a roving report, but you're about to find out why. Um, I'm just doing a little um, uh, addition here uh, to my actual uh, real report, which you're about to hear, for two reasons. One, because there's quite a bit of car noise, so uh, hang in there. I'm not sure if um, Scott or Mel have been able to edit uh, the car noise out, but um, you'll find out why in a minute, because I was in the car driving uh, hands free, of course, uh, up to a park run, and I was chatting with a fellow park runner. Uh, apologies for that, um, for the car noise. Uh, also, <laughs> you'll, I'm not sure if, if it's even actually in the pod. Um, Scott may edit it out, but um, there is a, an errant bee um, a, at one point, uh, manages to buzz around in the car whilst we're doing 110 on the freeway uh, out of Adelaide and, um, but we managed to, um, yeah, to deal with it. The reason for the bee, um, I'm not going to tell the long story, but the reason for the bee is that we got up like mega early to pick up, uh, the park runner that we, uh, we took up to Mount Barker. Um, and <laughs> I don't know why there were crazy bees around in my house. Um, like you know, hovering around a light you know the only light that I turned on trying to be quiet to leave the house quietly at 6am um and um and of course one of them managed to get into the car we didn't think that it was around but of course it is so it's a pretty funny light moment uh, within there so I thought I better just um cover that <laughs> excuse me cover that off anyway that's it um sit back and enjoy the the ride and the chat cheers Uh, Good morning, Uh, this is uh, Paul Kitching, uh, PK to all the uh, parkrun adventurers uh, out there. I know it's been a while, Uh, apologies, I've been a bit missing in action because, um, yeah, I I don't don't know, hashtag kids sport, uh, hashtag life. Uh, uh, But today I'm coming to you not about an adventure, well it is an adventure of sorts. But I'm um, not, not heading to any new park run or anything like that. I'm heading to Mount Barker. I'm not going to go on about Mount Barker because I know you guys hear about it a lot. But uh, today I am in the car with a fellow park runner um, who uh, I picked up to come and join us up at Mount Barker. It's our fifth birthday today. That's not the reason he's here. But uh, I'd like to welcome to the Park Run Podcast Tim Jenkin. day, Tim. day, Paul. How are you? Very well, <laughs> thank you. Good man. Now, um, Tim uh, is in town in Adelaide. Um, I'll, I'll probably get him to tell the story, but the reason um, Tim is in town is uh, that Daniel Raycliffe, okay, so we all know Daniel Raycliffe, Harry Potter, etc. He is in Adelaide at the moment to film a movie called Escape from Pretoria. Uh, it's about um, a man and his fellow prisoners who were uh, put in jail uh, in 1970. Eight seventy nine um, uh, uh, during the anti apartheid uh, movement. Actually, I'm going to get Tim to tell it because the reason I'm telling all this is because that man, Tim Jenkin, is here with me. Daniel Radcliffe is playing uh, um, Tim in the movie, and uh, I'll tell you why um, Tim's with us in a minute. But Tim, tell me more about. Um, uh, your life. I mean, I oh. suppose. Well, not everything. <laughs> not everything's a very, very long story. No, but um, so, uh, so you. Uh, th- this movie is about you um, uh, having you know, be- being put in jail and then escaping from jail.
3: Yes, that's correct. Uh, as you mentioned, I was involved in the anti-apartheid struggle in the nineteen seventies. That was the heyday of apartheid, and uh, I was an activist doing underground work, so to speak uh spreading literature for the african national congress which is the ruling party today and um uh, together with a mate of mine, the two of us were doing this work and after a couple of two and a half years we got arrested there was a trial and i was sentenced to 12 years in prison hmm. um while well, we were well oh hang on a, a minute, minute? Oh, that's no, it's okay
4: He's a is it a
2: bee? It's all the window now. Oh, good. Is it out? Yep, it's out. <laughs> oh it's okay, it's a bee, it's a bee, it's a wasp. Uh, I did warn him that there could be a um, a bee uh, in the yeah, car. As soon as I start talking, I know, as soon as it comes out. You didn't believe <laughs> the story, is it? Well, that's another long story for another time, but anyway. um, uh, So, yeah, so. He...
3: So, I ended up in uh, Pretoria prison, which. In those days was the special uh, prison for white male political prisoners. As you know under apartheid everything was divided up. Mm. Nelson Mandela and his colleagues were on uh, Robin Island which is a tiny little desolate island off the coast of Cape Town. But Pretoria is a thousand miles away uh, in the north of the country so um, even before um, I got into prison while I was still an awaiting trial prisoner. Uh, the two of us planned this escape. We decided we were not going to accept whatever sentences they gave us and we were going to escape and managed to smuggle in some money <laughs> and a book called Papillon that taught us. Oh, yes, uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> inspired yeah. us and taught us how to think about escaping. and. Uh, The two things that this book, well it told many, it gave us many tips, but the main thing was that every escape has two stages, the one is to get out of your prison and the second stage is to get away from it. Yes. So that's why you either have a helicopter to take (laughs) you away or you have money to get away very quickly. Mm. Uh, Well, it's a very long story so uh, I can't... Tell the details. But well, yeah.
2: Well, people have to watch the movie. <laughs> but, watch um, it's currently being movie. filmed in Adelaide. But, um, but I believe you. And I'm certainly not making you know making light of this, the whole story. But I, but you know, getting getting um, fast-forwarding. You managed to make your own key out of wood, keys I should yes, say, yes. and which then helped you escape from the prison. That is we had a, a workshop that we worked in and. Uh, We were
3: able to cut out the shapes of the of the keys in the workshop. Amazing. And um, figured out how (laughs) to make them. And on the day of the
2: escape, we had to (coughs) open uh, ten different doors to get out of the prison. Phenomenal. I was watching um, last night. um, I think I believe there was a a documentary done. um, um, Breakout. Yeah, and um, just watching that was phenomenal. I can see now the interest um, uh, obviously with the movie happening and just yeah it's so yeah so the reason you're in Adelaide is because there's a movie being made about your life Daniel Radcliffe is playing you Um, that must be a surreal experience when did you find out that Daniel Radcliffe was going to be playing you and
3: actually a couple of years ago they mentioned that they were looking for good actors and they said that they would got Daniel but they hadn't got all their ducks in a row, and uh, it failed after a year. Okay. And, uh, and then they managed to get another slot with Daniel. So that's the thing with these actors: if you miss the slot, yeah, you then you, you you actually have to pay them for that slot. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but they have insurance
2: and all kinds of things. It's and have you? Complex. So you're, and so you've come to Adelaide to. Um, immerse yourself, I suppose, in the well, get him. I suppose Daniel to immerse himself more in the character so he can meet you. Is that the yes, reason? Yes. Well, that's one of the reasons was
3: just to, to be able to talk to the actors. Yeah. To get them to understand the uh, well, the psychology of being a prisoner and what it means. Mm. And uh, I've, I've tried to help him along the way. Mm. Um, we did have a few Skype chats before that.
2: Okay. When I was still in Cape Town. Yes. So um, and so, it must be um, surreal, as I said, or crazy experience to to be on the set. Um, I believe, and you said that, the other, that you were an extra the other day. Um, yes. That must have been a crazy yes, experience. It was a very extra. very
3: strange experience. <laughs> uh, we were sitting in the simulated uh, visiting room, and he was sitting right next to me. So he's me, <laughs> and yeah. I'm just some other prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> And he was waiting for his uh, visitors who didn't turn up,
2: uh, uh,
3: right. and I was talking to my visitor.
2: Yeah. And, then, and yeah, it must be. Oh, like uh, it, it's been it's been great to having having um, you know the the film being made here in Adelaide. Um, it's been really good. Uh, there's been a lot of interest. The, the, the town's been you know shut down. There's been um, a few times where you know major streets in the city have been transformed into. Uh, the seventies and so um, so yeah you you you've, you're the man that stopped our town. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry about that. No, caused any a, traffic No, terror, no. You know? it's, been, it's been really good. Yeah. And um, but tell me more about so that so the reason um, Tim's in the car with me now, um, heading up to Mount Barker, is that when you arrived, I think you said. Um, to one of the producers said, what do you want to do on the weekend? And you said park run. And um, and then as it turns out, one of our regulars up here at Mount Barker, Josh, um, is working on the film and he went, oh, I know, I know the guy to speak to. And yeah, that's how we got together. And you could have done, there's a number of different park runs around Adelaide, um, but uh, being an avid park runner that you are, it's always nice to go with other park runners that you may have met or know of. Um, so your home park run is, um, Rose, how do you pronounce it? Rosen? Rondebosch. Rondebosch. Rondebosch the Dutch you know. word for round bush. Rondebosch. So that's yeah. in, in Cape in Town. In Cape Town. And how did you get into parkrun? I'm not
3: sure actually how I got into parkrun. I used to see them because I live very close to the uh, circuit there and um, I used to see these mad runners running around every morning or every Saturday morning. I didn't know what it was and then a friend of mine told me what it was and hmm. said, Come along. I was a bit sceptical and I yeah. signed up and got my barcode and and joined it and after that first one I was hooked. <laughs> yeah, well it gets <laughs> like that. That's,
2: and, that's and you've done like, forty six? I've done forty six Well done. Seven, I can't remember. Any um and that me up for the fifty. Well done. Yeah, any plans to where you're gonna do fifty? Well I guess I'll be back home again
3: at <laughs> <laughs> that stage.
2: Um you also, um, you got a PB last week. Well done. Yes, I did. Twenty three oh four. That's mighty fast for uh, for a man in your, of your. Um, well, you're you're not young. You're not old, <laughs> um, but you've done very well. Yeah, <laughs> Good work, mate. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, what? Well, tell me about the course then uh, in uh, in Cape Town. I, b- I believe I saw uh, last week there were like 850 people there, so it's obviously
3: a yes, popular it's course. A very popular one. Sometimes we have well over a thousand people. Gosh, it's quite a boring uh, course actually. because okay. it's just circular, oh, and okay. you do two laps around. Oh, it, right. And it's absolutely dead flat, mm-hmm. but so it's a very fast one. Mm. Uh, the there are other ones, uh, there's many in Cape Town, It's something like 15 of them. Oh gosh. Or even more, depending depending on what, how far you
2: go. Sure. Um, um, and so, what does parkrun mean to you then, What, uh, what you, why do you do parkrun? Well, it's just addictive, I mean, it's not supposed to be
3: a race, but you're racing against yourself. Yes. Uh, you always want to improve, and fortunately for me, my time just keeps coming down. Well down, done. Every time I do it, yeah, I want well, to run faster in the uh, cooler weather.
2: Okay, uh, my time always comes down in in June. Well, we've just arrived in um, Mount Parker and it's eighteen degrees up here at the moment. So mm. Celsius, though, that should be nice. Um, so, uh, were you? Um, have you always been a runner? Were you running like in prison, or were we keeping fit there? Um, I was always good at
3: running, but I was not interested in sport. When I was at school. Right. And um, some of the uh, sports uh, masters recognized that I was a runner and tried to get me to come, but I didn't really participate.
2: Mm. In the prison, we used to run every morning. Yeah, would well, you? To... <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not sure if you know, but there are uh... now park runs in prisons. Oh,
3: really? Yeah. <laughs>
2: so in the UK, I know there are, and mm. um, don't quote me on this, I'm sure Scott will um will. Uh, uh, confirm, <laughs> but, um, yeah. I know there are a number now of park runs in prisons and, and it's been, yeah. um, a fantastic, um, exercise for those people to, um, well, to exercise. Stay fit. <laughs> What's that done Stay fit. Stay, fit. Stay fit. Absolutely. Sorry. That's, um, as uh, my little, uh, uh, producer assistant in the back, um, holding the phone. So yeah, I am interview, I am interviewing, uh, Tim, whilst we're on the, in the car, but it's okay, everybody. I'm uh, um, got my hands on the wheel, um, but um, and thank you, Ez. Was there anything else, excellent, that I was going to ask Tim that I've got uh, listed there? <laughs> See, I've got, I've even got the questions here. You know, have mm-hmm. got to be prepared for these things when you're chatting with fellow park parkrunners. <laughs> um, but it's uh, yeah, it's we're, we're up here for the um, Mount Barker fifth birthday, so it should be a lovely day up here. Uh, what about? Oh yeah. So, do people recognise you um, at Park run or are you just another Park Runner? Just another Park runner, <laughs> Just another Park Runner. But still, yeah. it's um, yeah, it's it must be as I said, it must be surreal to be here in Adelaide. I don't know whether I think it's it's wonderful that you've come here and that you're you're getting um, to know more about um, um, our town and just to visit another Park Run. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely
3: fantastic
2: good on you. Yeah. Well I think we're going to go for a run. Um, I reckon I've asked you just about everything I wanted to ask you. Well, where um, would you
0: park around if you could park run?
2: Oh where would you park run if you could park run? That's a good question yes. well, If there, Is there anywhere that you, you were talking before about America but, um, but you wouldn't, weren't able to find many there?
3: No there were none in America or at least not the places that I went to. Mm. I don't um, know. I suppose if there was one on a mountain somewhere that would be great yeah. I guess that becomes a a trail run rather than a Yeah, well, run. We, uh, we've
2: got one here, Cleveland, so if you're yeah. around next Saturday you should do Clearland. that's um, yeah. very much a mountain one. We've got one that goes through a forest, it's quite dangerous oh, because brilliant. it's got ditches and
3: uh, tree roots and things. And oh gosh. You have to dodge trees and so on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. But well, it slows
3: your time down a lot. Oh,
2: that's the problem isn't it, that, yeah. But you get to see other things. Mm. Well, Tim Jenkin, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, We're going to get out there and enjoy the park run now and um, see what it's like. We may even have a quick chat on the way home uh, just to see what you think of our course. But um, thanks so much for uh, chatting with um, with us today. My pleasure, Paul. Good man. Okay, we have just done the uh, Mount Barker park run, me and Tim. Uh, Tim, what did you think of Mount Barker? Uh,
3: Well, as far as the track goes, it was amazing because it was... uh, there and backtrack, which uh, when it's your first time, it's quite easy because you get to the end and then you repeat exactly yeah. what you've done. Indeed. So, some tracks, when you run them the first time and they're circular, you don't know what's up ahead, so yeah. you don't know how to pace yourself and you don't know where you are and how far to go. But here it was quite clear because you running down a road that you've done before. Indeed, it is a, so, it, it's a beautiful course, you're right. right. beautiful. Yeah.
2: Nice and flat, nice. and you got a pretty good and time, 24-something,
3: I think you said. And not totally monotonous, because there were some bends and curves indeed. in it. Indeed, indeed. And you're running past the wetlands, so yeah. it looked very good. It is gorgeous, isn't it? Um, and, uh, you, you could c- see the other people struggling along
2: <laughs> the other way. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you can't believe that they're so far behind. I know. Uh, um, well, you yeah. you came in at oh, 24-something, I think it was? 24-something. Uh, well done. Time, yeah. That's great. Well, that's a PB for Australian, you the Australian course anyway, right?
3: <laughs> uh,
2: it must be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, no, well done. Good on you. Yeah, we had fun. We had a great turnout for the Mount Barker fifth birthday. 375, I think it was in the end, which is well over our record. I think our previous record was 295. Lots of people in orange and lemon. We had paces, lots of cupcakes celebrating our fifth birthday so another awesome parkrun day great to have um you uh in the country and in uh south australia hope uh the rest of your stay here in adelaide goes well uh and um i suppose we'll have to try and look out for you in the movie whenever it comes out escape from pretoria and see if we can recognize you as a as a random extra hey <laughs> good on you team thanks so much mate all right Paul cool. thanks very much cheers mate
1: hey scotty i mean obviously there was heaps in that PK interview to talk about. But you know what caught my attention right at the very beginning was where he was talking about driving hands-free. And I didn't know we had those cars in Australia yet.
0: <laughs> They're coming. Well, he's he's pretty sophisticated. He's a fancy man. <laughs> yes. He's got
1: all the technology happening. <laughs> <laughs> but just the idea of, you know, having a chat in a car and your hands aren't on the wheels while you're driving, that freaks me out a little bit. So, lives life on the edge, does our PK.
0: So, we said PK the challenge. We threw it down and um, for him to remain in the crew, he he stepped up. His next challenge is to get Daniel Radcliffe um, (laughs) on the podcast. We
1: don't aim low around here. You know what we're like with our challenges.
0: We know he likes to run. We know we've got an in with Tim. Tim's going to get in his ear. PK just has to make the final connection and get him to Mount Barker, Pacapacanthi, Cleveland. Take him out to Cleveland. That's a great view over Adelaide at the turnaround point there. Lots to choose from. Yeah, meanwhile, Mel, how, how was your park run weekend?
1: My park run weekend was a little bit. Um... Non-conventional, once again, Scotty. I was at home volunteering, so that's all convention right there. However, not long after the event started, my phone started ringing off the hook, which is never a good thing uh, on a Saturday morning, especially not when one of the phone calls is from your husband and you've literally just started the event maybe two minutes before. Um. And I was walking walking back from the start line to the finish line, and Adam was on the phone, and he was reporting that somebody had fallen over shortly after the start. And um, could I get back there and, and and take care of the incident? And I missed a couple of phone calls from um, some other volunteers as well who had my emergency contact numbers. And um, yeah, so I had to attend an incident, and not only. Did I have to attend an incident? It was a serious one where we had to call an ambulance and have our park runner taken off to hospital to get some stitches to a head wound, which doesn't happen very often. But it it brought up a few things for me, um, specifically, how awesome are park runners? Because seriously, like, I mean... (laughs) I had to run to get to her, so I might have had to run uh, maybe 500 metres. And with my pregnant belly and wearing Birkenstocks because (laughs) I thought, no, that'll be more comfortable than runners this week. The one week I choose not to wear runners, I (laughs) actually have to run. So um, that was interesting and I'm sure I made a very merry sight for a lot of people. But in in the time it took me to get to her, you know, there were already like half a dozen park runners who had stopped immediately to assist her, which was just amazing to see and brilliant. And I don't want to say it's unexpected, but it's always still just um, really heartwarming, I think, just that people completely – Willing to to stop and take care of somebody else and throw their park run out the window, irrespective of timing or, or anything like that. Like, obviously, they've got their priorities in the right spot. Um She's okay. I should mention that right now that the uh, the lady in question, the park runner in question, is all good. Uh, she, I think, was a little bit miffed, to be honest, about the whole scenario because she didn't have time to go to hospital in the morning. <laughs> she um, informed me that she had two cakes to bake and had to be back um, at the surf club by midday to do surf patrol. <laughs>
0: Which I thought was to ruined her morning. Well, yeah, I get that. no, no. This
1: is that she was just she was saying that you know she didn't have time to be going to the hospital, and and when the uh, paramedics arrived, one of them uh, came over and introduced himself, and he's like, "Oh, you're a park runner. Well, do you need to scan in before we take you to the hospital?" and um, and she said, oh, no, no, it, it, it happened right at the start. I haven't done the course. I said, no, no, she can't scan in. She didn't get a token because she hasn't finished. And he's like, that's okay. That's okay. You'll get a PB. So um, I was very pleased to see that the local paramedics also are across how everything works <laughs> at Parkrun, <laughs> And they had a good sense of humor about it. Um, but fortunately... They they managed, like, she got such great care from the park runners who assisted her to begin with as well that they managed a fast tracker at the hospital. And she, when I called to check in on her later in the day just to make sure everything was all right, she was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's it, it's all fine. Um, the, the hospital didn't take too long. And I said, how did the cake situation go on the surf patrol? She goes, oh, yeah, yep, got the two cakes done back at surf patrol by midday. And I was just blown away by
0: this woman, seriously. There we go. That's an impressive feat.
1: Yes. And incident notwithstanding, she still has her sense of humour, which is the best part about it all. So
0: um, so a good outcome to a potentially miserable, crappy kind of morning. Yes.
1: Yeah. What, what started as a bloody mess, literally, um, still ended happily ever after, even though she didn't get her run in on the morning.
0: And I take up your point there that how, how good are park runners and I'd, I'd like to believe Mel that most people and definitely almost all park runners would stop and assist someone like you'd have to be a pretty miserable person to see somebody fall down or injure themselves and sort of keep running or jump over them on your journey to a PB or jump
1: over them that would be that, that would be a bit extreme like it, it, yeah yeah <laughs>
0: You would hope, Scotty. You would hope. And you did. So, thumbs up. Thumbs up to the corner Park Runners.
1: Yes. But where were you on the weekend?
0: Were you at home? Um, no, well, home. No, I wasn't at home. Westerfolds is home. But I went to Darabin. Back to Darabin. Playing the long game on my P-index. Ah. Really, like, really working on that 9, 10 P-index. <laughs> um, as well, not many people, like, that's... That's a tough one that's to get. That's a
1: huge one to get. That's that's a lot of that's like two years worth of park running at only ten events to get no, that's not it's even more than that. No. I'm terrible with maths. That's ten years at ten events.
0: No.
5: <laughs> okay, <laughs> so you, well give me If, if
1: give
0: you timed the maths, it perfectly yeah. you would to get to a P index of ten, you could do it in two years. So if you went to ten different events ten times. That's a hundred.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I was right the first time. Did you say no to me when I said that's two years of park running? It's.
0: I thought you were going somewhere else. I thought you were going somewhere else, but yes, you're right. I'm easily and, confused at that. the
1: moment, Scotty. So <laughs> if I give you the right answer the first time, don't don't make me try and review my maths. <laughs> it's not going to end well.
0: Anyway, so the P index is all about, and and heading to Darabin, tick that box, and I I do you know I love Darabin.
1: And how is um. How is your P index? Like you're going for the long game. You're going for the ten. Are you still at just like three or four?
0: No, no. I've got a P index of seven. Oh, so it's a long game. So yes, I've got to do some bit of work around these events that are on five, six. But I'm really close. when you're at
1: seven already, that's not that long of a game.
0: No. Hmm. Hopefully by the end of the year. Hopefully by the end of the year.
1: Our next guest is somebody who competed in her first Paralympics in 2008 at the age of 14 years old. She's a bit handy on the wheels. Her name is Madison De Rosario. Maddie, welcome to the Parkrun Adventurous podcast. Thank you for having me on. So I would like to go back to 2008. Uh, I was a little bit younger then, certainly not athletic by any means however you were attending your first paralympics what kind of experience was that for a 14 year old
6: i was that was unreal beijing was so intense it, it wasn't something i was expecting at all um, none of us were we were um we were training for for london at the time with, with the big goal being 2012 and I got a, a call up for the relay because they um, were one person down and I was kind of essentially just like filling a spot in an emergency and that was about six months out that we started to really explore that option and I just got thrown into this entirely different world and going, you know, on my first, you know, overseas trip with the team and just being so, I guess, amazed and, and, and blown away by what's Life of the like, and then and then Beijing itself was unreal. I think I was definitely very spoiled. The Beijing was an amazing games, and everyone who's been to it, you know, previous ones definitely says the same things. They they put on an incredible show. It was you know a, a full stadium, and and I was very lucky to get to race in that. But I just remember being overwhelmed every step of the way in the village, you know, on the track, on the warm-up track, in all the venues, just being you know, so intensely overwhelmed by everything that was going on and lining up for the relay, that was, you know, the, the big event that I was there for. And we were definitely not expected to find our way onto the podium. I think we had, a of the, the four athletes in the team, two of us had never been to the Games before. I was 14, but Jemima was only 16. So it was a very young, you know, very inexperienced half of the team. And so um, coming home with a silver medal in that was, far more
0: than I expected going into those games. Now, Maddie, Beijing was a number of years ago, but I have this perception that you sort of burst onto the scene, and you're still relatively young. I imagine like 10 years plus is not really bursting onto the scene in your eyes. You've been doing this for a number of years now, putting in a lot of work.
6: Yeah, it's kind of, it's a bit um, strange, actually. I feel like I'm still quite young in terms of, you know, other people in the team that I'm on, but I've... I've been on the team for quite a long time now, so it's, it's, it's kind of a, a weird balance. Um, but it's, I feel like it's been my, my entire life, you know, I went to my first Games when I was still in high school and it's been, I guess, my, my everything for the last 10 years. And you
1: don't just participate in relays either, you're, you're a multi-distance athlete, which I've got a whole bunch of questions about how that even works, I'm not just focusing on one thing. <laughs>
6: but have you got a favourite distance? I do, I do. I think the um, the 5,000 on the track is, is a real big one for me. It's this combination of, you know, it, it's so tactical and, and you need to be so fit to be dominant over the distance and, you know, you have to be consciously aware of what everyone else is doing, but at the same time you have that, that fitness kind of factor that comes into play. I feel like the 5k is just this combination of absolutely everything that I love about wheelchair racing thrown into one. And, and I do love the marathons. I love how, you know, how much you have to push yourself and, and how I guess how extreme it is. And, and I love that, but I think in the marathon, you kind of have to find the rhythm and, and that's, a part of the a part of the business, a part of the game, is you know finding that rhythm and you know just ticking the kilometres over. Whereas the 5K, you're kind of on the entire time and and everything that you do matters. And I love that part about it. It's very intense.
0: And Maddie, you know what else is 5K?
6: Parkrun. Is it the
0: parkrun? we <laughs> adventurers. Um, but uh, you haven't you haven't <laughs> been to a parkrun yet. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna try and get you there. You're living out near uh, Rhodes. So is, is parkrun yeah, something I mean, has, has come gonna, on your radar? Is it, is it appealing to you?
6: It, I'm not going to be a difficult person to convince. To be honest, I live so close. Um, I feel like I live in my little like training bubble though, and I you know just focus on on you know I guess doing what I do. But you guys are so close. There is no reason for me not to get down to one. So what do you normally do on a Saturday morning? Saturday mornings are usually a Long push. I think this Saturday morning I have a twenty five K roll. Okay, so that
1: works out perfectly for Parkrun because you can use it as a little warm-up. Like just you can you can just head on down and then 5k warm up and then do the rest of your twenty well the twenty on top of that, super fast or whatever whatever speed you need to do. Heaps of people train that way with Parkrun. They just chuck it in the middle or at the finish or at the start. It works out well. All you need to do is
6: remember your barcode. I actually really could. It's actually quite a practical thing to do. Actually, I really, really could.
0: Okay, well, we're going to be scanning the results at Rhodes over the next couple of weeks, so we hope to see one. <laughs> Maddie De Rosario. I'm guessing you're going to be up the front. You will be first finisher, um, so we'll be looking out for that. <laughs> now, one thing I want to know, Maddie, is that. The parkrun adventurers, Mel and I, aren't quite the um, athletics aficionados that we may come off as. We, I, I want to know some some of the more basic, simple questions of being an elite wheelchair athlete. What's, like, the skill is in the pushing the wheels. I'm, I'm, take, I'm taking it right back. So you have to have a lot of upper body strength and a lot of endurance.
6: Yeah, look, I think it, there's so many ways to approach wheelchair racing. Um, there's... I guess sort of two different kinds of athletes. There's athletes that are able to apply a lot of power and they're, you know, obviously more your sprinters and that's kind of a different style of pushing. Um, and that's kind of that constant acceleration, like constant building momentum, whereas then you kind of have your athletes more like myself who are better at maintaining that momentum. Like I take a long time to get to a high speed, but I'm quite efficient when I push. And so that kind of allows me to just kind of slowly kind of just slowly build on what I put down and then maintain it. But if you ask me to get to a high speed quickly, it's just not I'm completely incapable of doing it. So I feel like there's two very distinctive styles of wheelchair racing. Um and one through four hundred is very much that power. You have to have that that strength and just that real power. And then fifteen hundred and up is more, you know, the building on that momentum and the eight hundred sort of sits in the middle and that's I I struggle with the event because you're racing athletes that have that power and that explosive sort of ability and then, you know, I'm kind of approaching it from the other side of it and it's kind of interesting, but I definitely think there's two different ways to approach wheelchair racing. Well, for somebody who struggles with 800
1: metres, you don't do too badly having a world record in it. Meanwhile, I'm yeah. going. <laughs> I'm going to um, I'm going to ask some of the basic questions too, because I'm I'm just fascinated with with the whole um, methods and styles and things like that. Like, there's obviously a reason that you use both arms on both wheels at the same time rather than one arm on each wheel, like in turn. Um, where do wheelchair athletes chafe? Chafe. Okay. Okay, yeah. so
6: I know we're
1: yeah,
6: running, In there, done that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, my ribs get very bruised from sitting in the frame. So where the side of my body or my rib cage touches the frame, I get really bruised and that rub, especially over the course of a marathon, um, quite badly um and that's because the frame has to be so tight every time my body moves to steer the the race chair i need it to move with me so it needs to be very very fitted um the other place is kind of i guess on the inside of your elbow so if you have to slip and hit the push rim instead so the push rim is the the rubber coated ring that we actually contact with our gloves um and that's moving quite quick so oftentimes when you're pushing you'll actually end up when you're at the bottom of your push, you'll kind of chase the top part against your arm and that one can get pretty bad, I think. You know, I've seen a lot of athletes who finish marathons and they're just bleeding from that part of their arm. Um, so, yeah, those two are definitely the two points.
1: It's like high-speed carpet burn, I imagine.
6: Actually, that's a good analogy.
1: Yes, it is. Like super high speed, especially the speeds that you <laughs> <Yes>. go. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we've got we've got Run West Fever this week. You're going to be there, you're one of the ambassadors. Um do you get that high speed carpet burn doing 12 kilometres, which is the event you're going to have a crack at on Sunday?
6: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, I I'm I'm, actually, I'm really looking forward to Run West. I'm so excited to be on board as an ambassador, I was really excited when they when they asked me. I know it's late in the piece, but I've just got back from overseas, and now I'm trying to get as many people as I can to enter last minute. So anyone that hasn't entered yet, it is still open. It's open is open until I think the day before. So come and join us. Um, I've talked my training partner into doing it. He is a Commonwealth Games silver medalist. He um, won a silver in the the triathlon. So I've talked him into joining me. Um, Sunday morning and we have a development group that we work with on Saturday morning but I'm trying to get as many of the of those guys along as well. I think it's going to be a really fun morning. It's, it's such a valuable event to have in Western Sydney though I think is really the biggest benefit of it. I mean I am very biased but I think racing on the road is one of the best things in the world um, and I'm so glad that so many people are now having the opportunity to do that as well and and in a new place and a new event. I think we've had 6,500 people registered so far and and again entries are still open so I'm super interested to see how many people you know actually sign up for it. But that's it's an amazing number of people for, for the very first event and it's such an easy way to get active I think it's hard to just want to go for runs with no final motivation and I completely get that whenever I'm training I'm thinking about the next event. So I think it's such a good way to To get people out running, not just the morning of of Run West, but in in the lead-up and, you know, in the lead-up to next year, I think it's such a great event and such a great opportunity and and I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes.
0: And it's going to be a fun weekend. It's going to be – it's the first time they're having it, so we're all going to witness history if you're going along. Now, you've got a bit of a crazy schedule post-Sunday. Do you want to tell us what you're up to?
6: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my whole year is we've kind of packed as many races into it as possible this year. We're seeing how it goes. I've never done this many um, events in my life. Um, but the week following um, Run West, we have our nationals here in Sydney, so I'll be racing on the track there. Um, I'm just doing the, the 1500 on the track. And then the following week, I'm heading overseas. We've got Boston Marathon um, in Early April, mid April. um, And then two weeks later, we've got London Marathon. So I'll be doing both and and staying overseas between the two. But I've never done Boston before. So I'm really interested to see how it goes. My coach um, is Louise Savage, and she has been so excited since I accepted my invitation for it. It was, I think, Boston Marathon was kind of her baby. It was her, you know, her favorite marathon. She's won it multiple times. She's raced it an unreal number of times. And she's, has not been back since, since she was an athlete and so she's been like just constantly so excited every time we're doing specific boston training sessions she's just like so unbelievably excited about it um so i'm really looking forward to that I, again I've, I've never raced it i've just heard so many things about it. it's such an elite marathon so i'm looking forward to that and then i'm very excited to get back to london for the london marathon it's also the world championships marathon this year which throws in a little added pressure and a little added something but um it's the only marathon major that that I've ever won I was so surprised um to win it last year but I've never had to return to to a marathon as a defending champion so I'm also nervous but the, the course suits me and and I love the race I love the organisers and so I'm definitely looking forward to that one.
1: No pressure at all returning champion I'd, <laughs> I'd like to ask London I mean there's a lot of cobblestones in London. Does the marathon course take in cobblestones? And if so, how, how do you cope with that in the
6: wheelchair? They actually cover them um, for the most. The, the actual course stays on on the road, thankfully, but over the bridges where all the joins and, and stuff exist, they're, um, they're actually covered in, in carpet, which is tricky to push over anyway. Um, it's definitely tough. But it's better than, you know, getting a tire caught, in, you know, in a crack or, or a Republican or something. So, yeah, they actually cover all the those parts of the road.
0: And are you going into into these events as favourites?
6: Um, no, definitely not Boston. Um, it's a it's an overall Boston's a downhill course and I'm one of the lighter athletes and so I don't actually coach particularly well. So I don't actually think Boston is a course that's kind of play to all of my strengths so that one's more just working out you know where I fit in that field and and getting to know the course and and seeing how that's going to work into my program coming up and in terms of London I think despite winning it I I won it in a a sprint finish with four other women and so any one of us could have crossed that line first I don't think it was anything about necessarily being stronger or, or, or faster I think I just made a break at a time that worked and I was able to hang on to it so I'm definitely not um, I, yeah definitely not going in, in as a favourite I think our, our field of wheelchair races at the moment is so competitive and so strong the world record was broken in Berlin last year and by Manuela Shah and and she'll be there and Tatiana and McFadden who's been so dominant over marathons for the majority of my career will also be there and you know there's there's so many others so no, I don't think so. I really do think it's, it's anyone's race. It's just a matter of, of running a, a smart race and, and putting ourselves in the best possible position.
1: And how do you do that when when you're training, I guess? I mean, you've got so many different races and events on, but they're all different distances. How How do you focus on one particular distance, like... When, when, you know, this week you're racing this distance and then next week you're racing that, how do you, how do you train to be good at all those things at the same time?
6: Complicated, actually. Um, we're lucky in roster racing we can span a larger number of distances um, far more comfortably than, than a runner can. And for that reason, it's not as much of a challenge to train all of the events as it would be for a runner. It's definitely... You know, it's something that wheelchair racing lends itself to, which is exciting, but for the most part, we do focus on the marathons. The 5K and the marathon are my two favorite events, um, and so a lot of our work goes into those longer reps and being able to, you know, hold that high speed for a long period of time. But thankfully, that carries over quite nicely, so I don't get off a start line particularly fast. But once I am at a speed, I can hold quite a high speed for a long time, which is a massive asset in the marathon. That's why we were working so hard in building up that particular skill. But something that carries me really well through 15s and and 5Ks as well. So it was very tricky around COM games when I was racing 15 in the marathon and both events were so important, both obviously being the only two events on offer. And so picking one to prioritize was impossible. So trying to make the training work and and work on the specific skills to race them both, you know, within a week of each other was very, very challenging. Um, And it's not something that I would necessarily, like, be doing all the time. Um, But for the most part, we focus on the longer stuff. We focus on the marathons and those skills carry me over through the longer stuff on the track.
0: I'm exhausted hearing about um, all the distance you've got to cover, (laughs) Maddie. Um, I tell you what, I'm going to look out for you on Sunday at uh, Run West. I'll be able to find you. Um, that might be easier. But I'm also going to be looking out for you in the roads parkrun results. Maybe when you come back. We'll give you time <laughs> when you come back from London. I want you to dedicate your training solely towards parkrun. Um, so thanks for joining us on the Parkrun Adventures <laughs> this week. It's been a pleasure catching up with you.
6: Thank you for having me on.
7: Good morning Parkrun adventurers, it's Melissa here coming to you from Frog Hollow Parkrun in Endeavour Hills in Victoria. Now I promise I'm not stalking Scott Trickett or the Westerfoldians. it's a pure coincidence that they were also here last week running the beautiful Frog Hollow. Now the reason I'm here is because I'm chasing P indexes so that's brought me out in the rain. We've got a light drizzle here this morning and a crowd of mm, maybe about 100, maybe more. Anyway. I've got with me the lovely Catherine Hocking. Hello, Catherine. Hello. Now, I know you from Slow Burners Running Group, but uh, you're a parkrunner as well. And is Froakala the closest parkrun to you? Yes, at the
4: moment, although I believe that the Birdsland Park Run is going to be up and running shortly. I don't know, it's all very secretive at the moment, but that will be my local once that starts. So whereabouts do you live? I live in Selby, which is right next to Belgrave, so in the beautiful Dandenong Ranges.
7: Yeah, there's a bit of a gap up there. So a bird's is much anticipated
4: Yes, yes I haven't been involved in any of the organisation of it But I, a friend of mine is And yes, yeah, she assures me that it's coming
7: soon We're looking forward <laughs> to that um, So you've done Frocolo a few times Where else have you ventured to? Um, my first park run was actually at Gels
4: Park, so I was actually involved at the first event at Gels Park. I think I was barcode scanner, <laughs> so that's where I started my park run adventure um, volunteering. And yes, yeah, so I've done a couple of runs at Gels, couple at Wilson Botanic. And I've also done a couple over in Adelaide at Christie's Beach. So I think, oh, Albert Park and one at Studley Park. Christie's Beach is beautiful. We were there late last year. So what takes you over that way? Family. So my husband's from Adelaide and his family live on that side of the city. And yeah, it's good to get out and do something while we're there. It's usually rather warm, but
7: (laughs) it's good. Yeah, it's a beautiful one on the beach. Yes. So, anyway, why I wanted to speak to you today. I've gone back to my fashion reports. Fashion's on the field at Park Run. So, today (laughs) you're sporting the lovely snaily yellow top. Yes. Would you like to tell us a little bit about the slow burners? Uh, Yes. So, I was just looking back into
4: the history of the slow burners Facebook group and it was actually started back in 2014 by Rochelle Olson who was basically feeling a bit dejected and upset about getting left behind running with various running groups when you're a slower runner so she had the brilliant idea of starting her own group specifically for slower runners. And I joined up pretty much soon after that. But then she went on to bigger and better things, cycling across America, and said, "You're in charge now, basically." <laughs> <laughs> so you were entrusted with the with the flock. Yes. What do you yeah. call a collection of snails? Hmm, I don't know if we've
7: thought about that yet. I'll have to think about it. We will. A trail of snails maybe? Oh I like that because <laughs> the slow burners primarily are in the trails. Yes
4: we are and um, I guess that's part of the thing as well as I guess we prefer not to say that we're defined by a pace but we're more I guess a community or a a social group so anyone can join us as long as they're happy to go at a relaxed pace, conversational Um, and because we run in such beautiful places, um, one of our regulars is the Sherbrooke area. Birdsland, um, Listerfield. We just love taking the time to appreciate our surroundings and not be so focused on going as fast as we possibly can. So, yeah, yeah that's that's part of the ethos, I guess, of the slow burners I group. Love just that getting about the slow burners, getting out there, enjoying it, and anyone being able to it's enjoy great. it. No one needs to feel like they're going to slow the group down or be a burden because that's really not what we're about
7: you definitely are a friendly group and you always loop back yes and wait at the intersections yep. and
4: yeah so regular regrouping um some of the runners regroup Um, loop back. Others prefer to just hang around and chat and take photos. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, um, no one ever gets left behind and we do our best to make sure that no one feels pressure to hurry and keep up with the group. People have different abilities. Some people might be great at chugging up the hills. Others may be better at going downhill or on the flats. So everyone's got
7: their own strengths and we like to appreciate that and your husband coaches as well doesn't he and mm. yourself you both do a little bit of coaching yes yes and you take um regular training runs i know before roller coaster the slow burners were regularly out um doing the doing the loops hmm. getting familiar with the course
4: Yeah, so um, I think it started about 2016 when we, um, in the nicest possible way, bullied one of our members into (laughs) um, entering the 21K at Marysville. And that's when we actually really started thinking about training plans and preparing people for particular events, and, yeah, it's sort of been part of the group ever since. Um, we've dropped back a bit over the last year because I've had foot problems and not been able to do the weekly events, but people have just really stepped up and kept the group going, and when we've come up to roller coaster, um, one, another group member has come along and said, oh, OK, I can lead a run, and it's just been wonderful that such a friendly and inclusive and supportive group that people feel that they can do that they can just
7: step up and lead (laughs) because it's not just the elites that need to be prepared and have a training plan and and work their way up to these kinds of things so you Mm. know your average person they need to be just as prepared. They need to know about hydration. They need how to. They need to know how to carry their gear out on course. Mm, yeah. um, how to pace themselves. Yeah. They need to be prepared. So
4: yeah, and especially I guess with the increasing popularity of trail events, a lot of people who may never have run on the trails before are increasingly um, entering events such as roller coaster, two bays, um, Wonderland, the Trails Plus events, and it's quite a challenge some of them especially um, the ones based in the mountains you've got to worry about hills and a, a half marathon that you may be able to run on the road in two hours you're not going to do that in
7: on Mount Dandenong so oh, I might have learnt that the hard way <laughs> <laughs> but w- another thing I've got to say about the slow burners now um, my first experience was I saw on social media that the slow burners ran a snake awareness training out at Listerfield and that was the first time i ventured along I thought oh I need I'm doing some trails now, I need to know about snakes. Mm. So I came along and you know, paid a little bit of money, and we came home with a snake bandage, and I really learned a lot. And so, that's another important safety aspect,
4: mm. yeah. So, yeah, we're trying to do little bits and pieces here and there. Um, we've recently partnered with a couple of companies, Glimmer Glimmergear um, being one of them, and I'm looking at whether we can run an event specifically tailored to night running. A lot of people may never have run in the dark, except... out on the road where you've got um, street lamps so uh, the difference between running on the road and having light provided for you as opposed to having to bring your own light and deal with the the differences I guess the main one I find is that that your depth of perception changes a lot when you're running in the dark with a headlamp as opposed to in the light and when you're doing that on trails that's something that you really have to be aware of. So yeah, we're looking at um, really what we can do to prepare people for the events that they might want to do and whether that be um, learning about what to do if you come across a snake or get bitten by it or how to tackle those hills or how to run in the dark with a headlamp. We're sort of trying to, um, yeah, get Cover people it prepared. All. Yeah.
7: yeah, and so, well, your husband, Paul, he's actually no um, no slouch when it comes to running. He does quite good, doesn't he?
4: Yes, yeah, he's a very speedy snail. And, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think we've had a, a few um, shot people with um, the Slow Burners T-shirt appearing on podiums every now and then. But, yeah, I guess it shows that it really isn't a about a particular pace it's it's about it's a mindset it's a mindset and it's so much different to a lot of the other groups where you may really be focused on a pace I mean absolutely it's great to have time goals in mind but other people might want to have
7: different goals and that's what we're about so that fits in well with parkrun too because that's sort of the parkrun ethos that you know um, no mm. one's left behind uh you can do it at any pace you want and the uh, it's emphasis is on community and having mm, fun
0: definitely yeah so and
7: so where's your husband he's paul i've got a paul yes. you've got a paul <laughs> there's lots of pauls around um, yes where, he's uh, mullum mullum today
4: Yes, um, I believe his coach uh, specifically told him he needed to do Mullum Mullum Park Run today. Uh, that's one I haven't done yet, so something you have to... You to... have to get out there. It's beautiful.
7: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we can have another running day out of Mullum Mullen.
4: Yeah. We've got to get back there
7: too. I have run
4: in the area, but not a park run, so yeah, that's something I need to... Um, do something about it. So you that. didn't
7: scan today because you're training and you, so you did a shorter loop and you didn't go through the finish. Have you done that very often? I've done it a couple of times basically with recovering
4: from the injury I've got at the moment. I've been walking rather than running and sometimes a 5k is longer than I can cope with but I still like the social side of things. I mean I'm more of a social runner than a um, head-down-get-it-done sort of runner. And being injured, I really missed the social side of things. So I guess recovering from injury has really been where I've come back to to doing parkrun because I really hadn't done that many of them before the last year and yeah coming along to a friendly non-judgmental no pressure event that's on weekly like parkrun has been really good and if I have the ability on the day to to do the full distance then it doesn't matter I just don't cross the line and
7: everyone's happy (laughs) i love that well i'm so glad you came out today thank you catherine thank you for talking to us and telling us all about the slow burners and we'll look out for those yellow snail tops out on the trails
4: yes always give us a wave and (laughs) if anyone is looking for an inclusive group
7: that runs in melbourne look us up thank you Okay, Bye. (laughs) I've got with me now Rosemary. Rosemary was the tail walker today at Frog Hollow. Hi, Rosemary. Hi. How are you? Sorry, I don't know your name. Melissa. Hi, (laughs) Melissa. (laughs) That's a bit rude of me. You would have told me, but I didn't. Actually, when somebody said talk to Rosemary, (laughs) I thought, I know that name. And I I think we've actually walked and had a chat before here at Run. Yeah, I think so. It been a while ago, and it might have even been a Christmas Day. Um, I did a tail work on Christmas Day. Oh, I've done four, but it wasn't last year. Anyway, that's besides yeah. the point. I wanted to speak to you about Frog Hollow.
5: Oh, Frog Hollow's my spiritual home, I think. <laughs>
7: well, that's why they told me to speak to you. So, Because you must be the person that knows everything there is to know. No,
5: I don't know everything. I mean, I'm a relative newcomer, because I've only been here two years. But in that two years, I've done... Today's 103
7: Oh, well done. And and
5: only seven haven't been done here.
7: Oh, Um, so you're a bit of a tourist? Not
5: really, only because New Year's Day ones, we don't have New Year's Day. No And twice Once I've stayed at a girlfriends And once I was looking after my dad And then once One of our One of our 14 year olds Did her 250th So I had to go to that oh. At Berwick Springs Okay
7: well, Which is a local one Yes Yes So Berwick Springs and Froakolo Tend to share traditionally The Christmas Day New Year's Day Well duties yeah, We in the have area. Christmas
5: And they have New Year's yeah. Day And packing them, doing New Year's so we can do the New Year's Day double.
7: So that's how come I've been at Frog Hollow for four Christmas days. <laughs> <laughs> I've only done
5: two, because I, I started on Christmas Eve, and I didn't really know about Christmas. My daughter brought me. My daughter, yeah. She brought me on Christmas Eve, so I really didn't know what was going on for Christmas Day the next day.
7: <laughs> so she sort of um, swept you up before you knew what was happening. No, she brought me here. Oh, and, and then you were addicted. yes. Yes, <laughs> addicted is the word.
5: <laughs> I, with my tail walking, I did 50 last year for the year. So
7: Excellent. So um, tell us about the Frog Hollow course. The Frog Hollow course is a flat course,
5: although people will tell you there's a bit of hill over the other side of the freeway when you're coming back, but you don't really notice that. No, it's a flat course, different surfaces, but more of it's concrete than when we started, when I started. We've been going five years in June. I got to run direct by fluke the 250th a couple of weeks ago, and we had our 20,000th finisher, which meant 100,000 Ks done collectively. We didn't expect it was a long weekend, so we didn't think we'd have enough to get to that record, and our 108th person came across the line, so we did. And she's a girl who was, who does it here regularly, so oh, it was nice that it was a local.
7: Oh. So typically, what sort of numbers do you get?
5: Our typical average is I think around 80, 90, but we get, most weeks we get around 100. Last week we had 176. I'm not sure. Why? Oh, yes, I do know why. Because a group had been doing a 12-week or six-week program at Westerfolds and (laughs) they came here because Westerfolds is a hilly course.
7: Yes, and your reputation is to be quite a fast course.
5: Yes, the, the girl who brought the group, it's her fastest place, so she brought and her mum did a a PB here last week, so
7: fabulous. That would be Tash Davies,
5: I'm guessing. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I know her mum did a PB last week, so
7: she was quite excited. Excellent. So you would so the course here at Frog Hollow. You go out um, and around the lake, and then under the freeway. At
5: the minute, it's not as pretty because um, the lakes have been a lot of the lakes have been drained, but they're doing works here to change the water levels. And we just have to put up with it in the meantime. That's okay. These
7: things happen. It'll be come back. Yeah, be it, better, no doubt. It'll so. be.
5: It will be. And recently got some new cygnets. This oh. Last year, one of our adult swans was killed, and oh, yeah. we lost a couple of signets, So it was very exciting to see another batch of. Cy- and there's only two. It's out of season. Hopefully, it's a little bit. Earlier than last year's out-of-season babies, they came later, and I don't think they made it through the winter because I don't think because they're too young. I think the cold was probably too much oh. for them, or a fox got them.
7: But your mascot for your park run is a frog. Is frog, Ribbit, of course. Ribbit, that's his name. Yes, his name's Ribbit. And are you already planning a theme for the upcoming birthday? They're thinking about
5: it, but we've been told to think about it. That's oh, as far. Oh, okay. So I don't know the theme yet in June. <laughs>
7: All right. Well, thank you for talking to me, oh, Rasmie. It was lovely to hear a little bit more about Frog Hollow. And, yes, um I love Frog Hollow. I'll see you again soon. Bye. Thank you.
0: And thank you, Melissa. Very prolific roving reporter ever since she entered the crew. We should be keeping a tally. Let's start another competition. <laughs> <laughs> to see who's
1: done the most roving reports. Yeah,
0: let's pit them. And let's, let's go a quality versus quantity debate.
1: Oh, yeah, let's let's start. We'll, we'll start reviewing the roving reports, giving them <laughs> scores out of 10.
0: Hey, seeing as we're going to catch up with them in a matter of days' time, well, a lot of them, let's not have that debate no. anytime soon.
1: Not until after Palm 19, perhaps.
0: <laughs> let's look ahead, though, to launches and anniversaries in Australia this week. No launches. No launches. Got
1: a few anniversaries um, across a few different states. We've got Chipping Norton in New South Wales,
0: Kelvin Grove in Queensland,
1: Mangumup for the Muppets in WA,
0: and Mount Isa and Riverway in Queensland.
1: Oh, the Northern Queensland ones are, are quite happy to have cake this weekend. Oh, I need to get to an anniversary. It's been too long since I've had cake.
0: Well are you going somewhere this weekend? let's let's get that out of the way now.
1: I Completely am out of order Going somewhere this weekend, which is not my home park run. Um, I'm headed to Lota.
0: LoTa, Yes, oh. which we've
1: spoken about before, but it's, it's we have. a bit special. it's a special
0: occasion. Yeah, tell us, tell us.
1: Um, my little brother and his wife are becoming run directors uh, on the core team at Lota, and this weekend is their first stint run directing. So I'm headed down that way to um, mess up the timekeeping and, you know, really give them a birth of fire <laughs> and see if they can see how they cope. <laughs> No, I'm so not really so going to so mess supportive. up the timekeeping. I'm going to do a good job of the timekeeping, and um, yeah, I can't wait to see how they do.
0: Yeah, I, re- you know what, Mel, I reckon, I reckon that's awesome. I think everybody who steps up and and has a go at run directing, um, they're a friend in my book because it's it's tough. I think the public speaking thing is really tough for a lot of people. The taking responsibility for this event when. Sometimes you you don't think you're capable and you don't have the experience, but they do it. They do it because they love parkrun and it's such a rewarding experience. I'm so happy for your little brother. Yeah. He's doing that and everyone else who's run directing on the weekend. Um, I know we've got, um, I'll share a little story that Melissa Ellis, part of our Channel 5 news crew, we just heard from her. She's going to have a crack at it. She's joining our junior team. Oh, how exciting. Yeah, and so I'm, um, I'm a bit – I'm excited to see that happen. I'm a bit bummed I'm not going to be there at Juniors on the weekend because I'm going to be in Sydney, as we know, for Run West. So I'm going to miss Juniors, which is the first time in a long time. I'm a little bit sad about that.
1: Oh, but I'm sure the event is in very capable hands.
0: It is. It is.
1: Well, good luck, Melissa. I'm sure it'll be a wonderful, wonderful weekend at Juniors. I can't wait to hear all about it. Meanwhile, where are, where are you going to be on Saturday,
0: Scotty? On Saturday, I'm heading along to, to Centennial Park Run.
1: Ah, you are chasing me down.
0: I am. New event to see for my Pirate Club that I've neglected terribly.
1: That's, that's a disgrace. Nobody should be neglecting the Pirate Club.
0: No, not many seasons and if we weren't heading to Centennial... I was was eyeing off that anniversary at Chipping Norton.
1: Ah, interesting. Wow, I can't wait to hear all about it.
0: Yeah, really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to that.
1: Mind you, I think that is going to bring you up literally equal with me on the most events list.
0: Good. (sighs) And that's pretty disappointing because I had such an opportunity this past month because you've been at home so much.
1: You have, and you know what? You made a retort. Um, you 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 made a throwaway comment. I'm not sure if you did it on the pod or if it was just um, in a chat with me. I think you'd said it on the pod that you you are happy um, when Adam doesn't get a run in because you're trying to chase him down, and he was um, because of that he decided to volunteer as doing the first times brief at Kiwana on Saturday and get a run in. So he wanted me to tell you that he volunteered to see that you would go, "Oh, that's great. That means I got an extra run." And then he find out that he'd actually run as well. But as it turns out mm. because he stopped to help at the incident and then Wes was really <laughs> sick, he didn't end up running anyway.
0: <laughs> oh, fantastic.
1: So, so he returned to the finish area, but so his best laid plans got foiled.
0: Okay. So I'm catching him. you are
1: catching him slowly.
0: I've put a ban on all volunteering for the rest of the year. <laughs> in a, in a bid to catch Adam on
1: Saturdays. All Saturday <laughs> yeah, volunteering. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Got to have goals. Now Got this just,
0: <laughs> yep. Now goals. This leads us to we're going to end the pod with this. Um, it's not my issue Mel. it's yours. So do you want to do you want to explain? It's
1: not an issue. Look, I just I don't I don't think I need to explain. I think the uh, the report says it all.
8: Hello, Parkrun Adventurers. This is Mark, and uh, today, this isn't a roving report. I was back home at uh, Gungarland this week again, uh, enjoyed a nice walk around Yerby Pond with my two kids, but today it's more of a response to the challenge that has been set um, by Scotty and Mel, for those who have been listening. Um, so you may remember this from episode 149. <music>
0: Now, one of our roving reports has in a role. It's, it's, it's a funny and impressive role in the submissions. Uh, you know who we're talking about. Mark has been dazzling us with some stats and some great roving reporting. It's about time we had the discussion about whether he's worthy to enter into the Channel 5 News crew. Well, the as thing with is... all new entries. Yeah. yeah. As with all new entries, we, we're setting challenges. And uh, the challenge for Mark, if he wants to become an official member, is what, Mel?
1: Well, being that Mark likes to pop in some stats at the beginning of his roving reports and give us some of that background information, I think he needs to do something a little bit stats-related, Scotty.
0: Yes, so I agree.
1: And, and, you know, we're all about the adventuring and we're currently, both of us, even if you don't admit it, are sort of chasing Wilson index numbers at the moment. So... The challenge, we, we made things pretty difficult for Melissa Ellis when she wanted to come on board and join the crew, and she had to up the ante with her game, so I think we definitely need to do that again. And so what do you reckon, Scotty, about he could go to an event, I'm yeah. um, getting cuddles again, that neither of us have on our Wilson Index. And, like it. And just to add a little bit more, Interest and flavour. He's got to come up with some out there random stats about that particular event that, that we would never think of.
8: So there you have it. There was the challenge that was set out a couple of weeks ago by Scotty and Mel for me. And uh, the following week happened to be event number 287 at Gungarland. Uh, so I went along to Gungarland and uh, provided the stats. And uh, some could say that it was uh, good luck, good fortune but also remind you of this event from the 2002 Winter Olympic Games.
0: Here's the bell, one lap for gold. He's reaching back for one more gear, trying to hold on Lee, they bump, they bump.
8: So that's right, Stephen Bradbury winning the 1,000 metre event, at the 2002 Olympic Olympic Games after all his opponents were involved in a last corner pile-up. So he went on to win gold that year for Australia. So you could kind of say that maybe I pulled out of Stephen Bradbury. It was just good luck, good fortune that I uh, happened to cross a Wilson Index number at my next home event that Scotty and Mel didn't have. And uh, in response to that, this is what Mel came back with.
1: Scotty, I feel like I've been foiled. Well, I thought we were setting a hard task for Mark because it can't be easy. It can't be easy to join the Channel 5 news crew. Like Melissa had to go hunting. She had to take donuts and pineapple chocolate, you know, to lure a melon and Scotty to the events that she was attending and what has Mark done? He's just happily happened across a Wilson index. And see, this is the thing. I don't think we I think I think I, I don't want to use the word cheat because it wasn't a cheat. He played by the rules. I actually really enjoyed listening to all all the information about Gungarland. So nailed that. Totally nailed that. But I think to make things fair the Wilson index number
8: needs to be under 100. So there you go. There's the new challenge set by Mel. And Mel, I will accept this challenge. I will point out, though, that there are only five numbers that neither that both of you do not have. So I will go out and I will try and find an event that you haven't done yet on your Wilson index and uh, put in a report accordingly. might take me a while, so watch this space. Mark out for now.
1: Scotty I am the first to admit that I am not often wrong.
0: Ooh. However, which was coming.
1: <laughs> Mark made some excellent points and and I have never laughed so much in a roving report I think as when he played the little clip from the Bradbury um, gold medal. And you know what? It is a perfectly legitimate argument and he is spot on. So I am going to retract what I said last week about setting the bar a little bit higher for him to enter the Channel 5 news crew. I think he's done it with that little so stellar, in. yeah, with that stellar he's report in. right there, Mark. You're in. You've made it. I don't think Scott is going to disagree with me. Um, no,
0: and the studio audience agrees as well.
1: <laughs> don't we love our studio audience? Now, um, the only thing is, if he wants to achieve gold level status, then he can choose <laughs> to accept. As he, as he already has, he's accepted the challenge with the Wilson Index where we've got like less than four that are both the same. Um, so if he wants to do that in the future, that's completely up to him. However, he is a member of the Channel 5 News crew. I'm sure the crew will be very happy to welcome him. And congratulations, Mark. Thank you for entertaining us with that report. I really enjoyed it, even though you weren't roving anywhere or anything like that. Um, Love your style. You've got exactly the sense of humour we need on this crew.
0: Okay, so we'll tackle the gold level status question at the beaches in two weeks' time. No. Just to, just checking for your benefit. Not next week. <laughs> it's the week after.
1: Yes, there's okay, still so be So you're
0: clear, I'm clear, our listeners are clear. Not this weekend. You're going to be at Loader. I'm going to be at Centennial, so it would be a bit, bit of a fizzer. Yes. If it was this weekend, but definitely the weekend after April the 6th. Yeah. The same weekend we're launching Park Run in Japan. Yeah. Massive weekend, which will be bigger in the park. Oh, run. look. It's
1: just, it's insane, really, isn't it? I mean, it just goes to show our level of commitment and passion for this podcast that we have chosen the exact same weekend as a launch in another country, an inaugural launch for a new country coming on board on the same weekend as the anniversary of Parkrun in Australia, the eighth anniversary of Parkrun in Australia as well. And we're choosing to spend it at the what I'm sure is going to be amazing beaches. It's hard to say who's going to be bigger. To be honest, Scotty, I think I think it's going to be bigger at the beaches.
0: Big be call. Cool. I think you're right.
1: Bigger fun anyway. Let's go for that. I'm yeah. not